Hey, Lana. Hey, Wendy. So I got a deal the other day. A deal? Yeah. You know, you know I'm Jewish, right? Like, I love a deal. Like, not that I have to be that way. What did yeah. you get a deal on, Wendy? I was at Bed Bath & Beyond, and I've been looking for some knives. And You were just at the BBB? Got I it, was, got it. I was at the BBB, you know, doing the things you do, with my 20% off coupon in my hand. Ooh, girl. <laughs> And uh, I found these knives that were more than half off. They were 115 and they were supposed to be 249 It was like a 12-piece set. It, they were oh. display. So, like, you know nothing's wrong with them. They just were, like, outside of their box. Possibly used to, like, cut other things in the Bed Bath & Beyond. Yeah. <laughs> like open boxes. Just once or twice. Just once or twice. <laughs> But nothing was missing or anything. And I looked it up because, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond kind of hikes their prices. Mm-hmm. And actually, it was a really good deal. So I brought it to the um, register and the cashier scans the code and it comes up as $15. What? Not, not 115 This is like Wusthof knife set with a wooden block. Everything's there for $15. Wendy, that can only mean one thing. <laughs> Those were used to stab a bed bath and beyond <laughs> Oh, great. So I have, like, a murder weapon in You my have, house. like, a murder weapon. They had to get rid of it, so they discounted it. It's the perfect crime. The perfect crime. Oh, my God. I would totally be okay with that. Like, eh, dried blood on it. It's fine. It's the spring murder sale here at Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> And it was so funny because, like, no other cashier would have made that mistake. The guy next to her actually was like, knives for $115, that's such a deal. And, like, she (laughs) still, like, saw, like, the thing come up as 15 and just kept on her merry way. I see that as a a different way of looking at robbing a place is, this was supposed to cost $200, but for some reason they rung it up and it was free. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Vienna Lana's podcast. Wendy and Alana's podcast. Get literary, get literary. Woo! Hello and welcome to Getting Lit, Alana and Wendy's totally excellent literary podcast. This is season three, episode three of our romance novel focused podcast. My name is Alana and I'm one of your hosts today. And I'm Wendy, your other host. Today we are discussing Finders Keepers by Linnea Sinclair. <laughs> With our special guest, Will. Hey, Will. Hey, thanks for having me. That was the most guest thing to say. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, I was running me. that back in my mind, just trying to keep it just <laughs> right there in the middle, pleasing to everybody. <laughs> Long time listener, first time guest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so you guys are both in, you're both in Little Rock right now. Like Correct. in in Wendy's house. Yes. Yeah. That is oh, cool. true. So so how do you guys know each other? Where did you meet? It's actually a fun story. Oh, we met, uh, let's see, at a little bar called Town Pump <laughs> down by the river in Little Rock. Um, it was actually the same night I met my wife. Aww. Yeah, we all hung out that night and then ended up at Waffle House until about, what, three in the morning? Yeah. Classic meetup. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, Danielle was single at the time, and I was like, I have a single friend! (laughs) And then we went to Town Pump, and then I was like, I don't have a single friend anymore! (laughs) I just love how much this song sounds like a 
this story sounds like a country song. Like you guys met at a bar, mm-hmm. and then you went to a Waffle House afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. All we need is like a basset hound and a pickup truck, and it's, exactly. it's all set. It's a hardcore yeah. Arkansan. I try to get them to have the wedding at um, Town Pump. I mean, at least the rehearsal dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Danielle was not happy about that for some oh. reason. Also, um, Will and Danielle helped me uh, come up with the title for Getting Lit. That's what I'm told. I don't recall. <laughs> it was at the end of our Taco Tuesday, so probably sense, there's though. a reason why you don't remember. <laughs> yeah. So you're welcome. You're That's welcome. what I should be saying. Okay. <laughs> the royalties will start coming in at any time. <laughs> you're like that guy in a social network who's like, take out the the in the Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I am. I'm just relegated to lost history. Well, we like to quiz people. Okay. Um, are sometimes when we remember, and <laughs> the number one thing we usually quiz is werewolf or vampire. Um, like which wh- one would you be? Oh, werewolf! Hell yeah, uh, werewolf I, team! I like being out in the sunlight. Couldn't do that as a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd be a werewolf. What yeah. about dating though? Oh, dating. What if um, what if Danielle was? Mm, oh, she'd totally be a vampire. Yeah, she she'd ruin too many clothes being a werewolf, and she wouldn't be mm. cool with that. She likes her, her sundresses. <laughs> but, I mean, that that's a romance all right there. Vampire werewolf. Vampire werewolf. Vampire. That's the best. How about millionaire or prince? Millionaire or prince? Yeah. yeah. Oh, prince. I would rule people. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to either date a millionaire or prince. Oh. I guess okay. princess. Princess. If you're, prince? You don't, I mean, if you, you don't want know my to, life, Wendy. whatever you want it to be. Um, I go with princess. Person. I feel like it comes with more perks than a millionaire. And honestly, in today's economy, a millionaire can only really go get you so far. It's got to be a billionaire if you want to like get on up there. But with a millionaire, you can do a lot of shit. Like it's just your money. Like the other one, it's like you have to like. No, but they have you know way the and they have money. Mm. Yeah, but it's like. It's like kind of the country's money. Now, Wendy, Is that was his choice. That was his choice. I don't know. Like, that sounds like a lot of issues. Like, you have to go to social events. You're assuming I won't be... manipulate him to, like, turn into a despotic regime. Like, <laughs> I'm going dark. All right. I don't know. They could be, like, like Beauty and the Beast, Beast Prince, who just, like, hangs out in his castle. Werewolf Prince. Oh, my Let's God. Let's that around. <laughs> I would totally be the recluse prince, which is also one of my favorite. Love them. Those antisocial yeah. whiny bastards. Yeah, because all they need is a is a good a good heart and someone who just cares about them. Mm-hmm. That's pretty true. And every other person who cared about them didn't care the way you cared. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, mental illness is really easy to solve in romance novels. Listen, you, just... you can solve mental illness with love, okay? Love. <laughs> like a good... A good hug and a good shtup, and you've got it. <laughs> and then he's like bringing you flowers or something. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, I will build you a rose garden. <laughs> Keep my heart. Uh, <laughs> so, so what are you guys? What are you drinking? I am drinking mimosas because mm. that's the thing I do. I went with the old fashioned. Nice. Timeless. Yeah, I love an old fashioned. Both yeah. both quality choices. She drinks a lot of gin in this book, but neither. Yeah, of she us. does. Like I, I wanted to make a gin <laughs> drink, but then I just can't. I just can't do gin. I I 
was a little surprised that she was always drinking just like regular gin, not like fancy sci-fi gin that's like made out of synthetic bullshit. I didn't notice she had a lot of gin. I I, I think I might have, because she drinks a lot in this book. She alone really drinks a lot. Everybody else is on even keel, but like (laughs) one little misstep, she's like, I need gin. Uh -uh." (laughs) She, She like has a drink before night. To, like, make her feel comfortable enough to fall asleep. Uh, That's a cool thing. So, um, this book is called Finders Keepers, and so in the spirit of that, I made a cocktail with just things I had lying around the house. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) An excuse to be lazy that's on theme. Um, Mm -hmm. And I made a drink which I named after Trilby's ship, called The Careless Venture. Sweet ship name, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good spaceship name. Uh, So, quarter cup white wine, quarter cup seltzer, two ounces of cranberry juice, and two ounces of whiskey. You know, local Indiana whiskey, actually. And then I I had an apple, so I garnished it with an apple on top. And then, like, a random shoe, because you found a shoe, right? What? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) <laughs> Never mind. I guess it is finders keepers, right? Um, if I was not lazy enough to make my own drink, I would have called it Wogs and Weemleys. Oh yeah. Because that was my favorite phrase from the book. I did, I did, I did like that, and I thought about that, but it sounded kind of gross as a drink. (laughs) You probably have to put, like, gummy worms in it. Gummy worms. That just finishes off the drink quite nicely. Just munching on that. (laughs) You got any gummy worms, by the way? (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) She laughs. No. No. So, Alana, how'd you like this book? I I really disliked this book. <laughs> you know what? What? It's not surprising because I liked this book. <laughs> I, I did too. Uh, and it was one of those times when I was like, I don't know how anybody else feels because there's one reason why I liked it. And it's because... He had goopy feelings that kept on coming out in the weirdest ways. He was creepy. (laughs) He was just an absolute creep. Him and his feelings were just like out of control all the time. Uh He like woke up and he was like, oh my God, I have feelings. What is this strange feeling in my body? Feelings. <laughs> but he just like well, first of all, like this book was built. I think what bothered me is this book was built as sort of like a cat and mouse like battle of the brains between Trilby and and the main love interest R- Rice. Reese. But really, it's just the story of Rice Reese. Const- Reese Van Oor. Reese. Reese. <laughs> Reese Van Oor of the result. Uh, <laughs> uh, with his giant mustache, right? So oh my much God. mustache and furry, uh, furry, furry. Oh, this dude was a shag carpet. It was hilarious because. Like, like, I was like, are we reading from, like, the 70s? Like, what's going on? Because... Oh, the author definitely just has a thing for Burt Reynolds and wanted to put him in her book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not only did he have a mustache, which is, like, I've never seen that in any kind of sci-fi ever. Unless it's, like, the bad guy. And then possibly not even then. But also, he had, like, lots of chest hair. Not just, like... <laughs> You know, in romance novels, they're like, you know, a sparse sprinkling of chest hair. No. No. (laughs) He was like a carpet (laughs) all over his chest. (laughs) That's what drew her to him. Like, they spent way too many pages describing his body hair. (laughs) I mean, it was a nice change. 
It's all right. Well, which brings me to the fact that, like, something I also didn't like about this book is after the kissing, this book faded to black every time. Like, there wasn't any sex in it. There were. Two points. I have them actually earmarked in the book. (laughs) Right before chapter eight, and then, like, chapter 23 or something. But no, it's it's very briefly touched on, and then they just go back to their feelings. And it was like, um, (laughs) it was like, kind of, like... Old old time Regency type of sex scene, because it was like it was like talking about feelings more than like the actual deed. Yeah, and so it was like that's why I loved it. It was it's basically a Regency book. <laughs> he was a duke. He was a hundred percent a duke. <laughs> he had feelings and he didn't know what to do about it. But I I have to tell you, okay, so the book starts with this lady who is supposedly some sort of wisecracking captain of some variety, right, of her little mm-hmm. team tiny ship and she finds some shit in the forest or whatever and she's like cool i get to take this scrap and then she sees this guy that's like mostly dead and she's like oh i'll take him back but like i won't actually like try that hard to in any way restrain him and oh no like he seems to have kidnapped me but then like maybe just a couple of chapters later i'm like nah i think i trust this guy i think this time he's he's for real so it's it's like it's like she's constantly being outsmarted by reese all the time, right? She is even so... accidentally a few times. <laughs> she she is like super dumb. Like she is just the dumbest character in this book. Like you're just like, of course he's a secret spy. You found him in the middle of the, of the woods. Like how did you not realize he was like a spy? Like Flying how did a ship he... that didn't belong to like his empire? And it's like, oh yeah, there's something shady with this dude. My there... handcuffs on him. <laughs> Yeah, she's just like, there must be a logical reason for this. Not to mention she has, like, a freaking droid who could probably just pin him down with his arms if he needed to. Mm-hmm. Desi, poor Desi. Desi. I wanted more time for that guy. That, Desi was excellent. He was a great C-3PO Desi. knockoff. Yeah. And I love him for it. I love gotta... how, also, yeah. um, when uh, Reese was freaking out about Trilby being in a coma or whatever, or recuperating, they, like, said, here, fix this. <laughs> Because Desi was exploded and he was like in a million pieces and he was like going out of control with his feelings. And they were like, here, we'll give you this to just, you know, focus you on something else. dangle something in front of him to get his horniness out of the way for a second. (laughs) That was the best. But also, I liked how she like remembered Desi. That was nice. I mean, remember her best friend. That was the only person she spent like. A trike or like a full hand or a septic. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, I learned okay. the lingo. I learned the lingo. Oh, man. I'm not just some shuttle slut that just got into fort. <laughs> what is it? A bastard son of a Pelorian bitch? Yeah. Or something? Yeah, something like that. Motherless son of a Pelorian. A lot of damn double dams, too. Um, I just... No, and I also have to... I have to come out completely... As I totally was a was a team Jagan all the way. So Jagan is the love interest that she that she breaks that breaks up with her at his mother's at, request. At his mother's request, then he kind of comes crawling back, and it ends up that it's part of this giant space plot. But I actually felt like it was a she's all that thing in which like he had started courting her just for her launch codes, but he <laughs> truly loved her. Like, and I like I had really been gunning for the fact. That she was still alive, being with the fact that his last dying request had been that she be saved or something like that. <laughs> also, he was a, he was a space accountant. I really like the idea that we need space accountants. Countless space. Machines. I mean, yeah. 
Of course. I mean, it's part of the national or multi-system conglomerate, the GGA. Grand Fork Galactic Amalgamated. Oh my God, you have it memorized. I do. <laughs> what What's the bad guy's name? Jagan's. Oh, it's like oh. Gerald Granforth. Everybody else has these yeah. space names, and he's just like Gerald, Lord Secretary <laughs> Gerald of the mm-hmm. Trade Ministry. No, I just felt like he was just trying to get back with you know he 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 made that relationship went on for much longer than it needed to. I think that truly Jagan was, like, in love with her. And honestly, like, a better fit for someone as intellectually challenged as Trail B. are <laughs> <laughs> just two dumbasses in love. Are you, are you, like, saying that Reese is pretty smart, though? Because he's not, he's not the smartest. He, he's, he's not smart, but apparently he's basically, like, I don't know, made of putty, so you can like shoot him repeatedly, and he just comes. comes He's got special skin. Like that's the whole big plot point. He's got special skin. Oh my god! So in this book, Reese, the the main protagonist, is like this fancy like senior officer of a fleet, and they say he's basically an emperor. So there was a point where I was like, oh my god, is this another prince in disguise? (laughs) (laughs) I love. Princes in disguise. I didn't know that I love them that much. <laughs> but no, he's like he's a commander in disguise. But it's still kind of the same thing. But anyway, um, he he's like this senior officer, and um, there's these like weird rumors going on about him. Like he's so like cold and dark and scary, and and he was like born in a test tube as a superhuman and they brought him up to learn all the basic awesome stuff and then and then apparently it was true <laughs> like in what universe is like rumors a hundred percent true but not it really, even it really wasn't though because like i was thinking he was like part cyborg or something like that and, like leave our buildings and it literally boils down to it's like nah man i just got like this layer under my skin it can help me regenerate it's like, that's actually a great advancement in medical technology. Like, why are they so afraid of that? They didn't focus on it whatsoever. No, and then Trilby's like, what else? Let's bone. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, are you okay with that? And she's like, yeah, I'm okay with it. And then they're bone. And then that's Which- literally the end of the book. <laughs> <laughs> Which was really weird because he's basically like, so pretty much I'm a space robot. And she's like, cool. Which makes you look at her relationship with Desi oh. entirely differently. <laughs> I think Trilby's tried with Desi, but Desi probably rebuffed her advances. Oh my. Desi's too much of a class act. You know, I was thinking about those long trips alone with only her robot as a companion. And now I understand it a little bit better. Desi's got a vibrate function. (laughs) That's why she was so sad about it. I love how Desi kept on saying like, I actually don't feel. Like I'm, I'm, a, like, I'm actually a robot. Like, I'm not like a R2-D2 robot, but also feels stuff. And is like scrappy and defies ant rules and stuff like that. I'm just actually just a robot. And she's like, Desi, I love you. See, I thought Desi was going to be like the only competent one. Because I think, I thought he figured out like Reese's whole little bullshit scheme before they even got to like that spaceport after they left the first planet. No, it just didn't really go anywhere. Reese was like, I shall be in disguise. <laughs> Can we first 
Can we also talk about his accent? Oh my god. <laughs> he had all of the accents. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> Every single accent that was like slightly exotic. Oh, there was a strong Spaniard influence. <laughs> Spaniard. Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of Russian. Yeah, Russian came into play later on, like once you yeah, meet yeah, the yeah. other people from the <laughs> Empire. Mykonos I basically had an image in my mind of like Stalin from those like propaganda. Oh, are you talking about like young post- hot Stalin? No, not <laughs> young hot <laughs> Stalin. <laughs> Actual like old hot Stalin. He's a dictator now. So what you're saying is you think Stalin's hot. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's literally what I got out of here is like basically Wendy's just looking for a Stalin like. Thurston over Stalin. <laughs> Listen, I didn't think so before, but uh, now Stalin for I'm, Stalin. You you know, it's, it's fine. If I was still in high school, my yearbook quote would be "Ballin' for Stalin." <laughs> Ballin' for Stalin. Oh man! Uh, Let me tell you this. This brought back like weird flashbacks from my time studying in Greece, and I have this great story about it. <laughs> so. So strap in, people. Okay. Um, so we we took a short trip to Turkey, which is like the weirdest place. And one of the coolest things was that we went to an imam, which is a bathhouse, a Turkish bathhouse. So you know where this is going. <laughs> um, no, Ladies. not really. <laughs> um, so... The Turkish bathhouse, you, like, strip down and you, like, wear a tiny towel and then some mustachioed Turkish dude, like, scrubs you down with these loofahs. And I was, like, with my co-eds, like, you know, college co-eds. And I was just, like, mostly in just a towel. <laughs> and I was like, maybe this is weird. <laughs> and and my um Turkish like scrubber downer whatever that was called <laughs> official title <laughs> um he didn't talk too much english but he was like it's okay it's okay that you're just like kind of naked in front of your co-eds and then um <laughs> that is that is that is a bold-faced lie it is not okay <laughs> it is not it is okay, not okay. <laughs> And that was, like, not... I'm not, like, a modest person. Like, if I'm, like, getting a massage, it's fine. But I was kind of like, they don't really want to see this. (laughs) But anyway, so I was getting scrubbed down with this loofah. Because that's part of the imam experience. And this guy who had a full mustache. You know, like, one of those really thick ones. A Stalin stash, yeah. A Stalin stash. Very luscious. Luscious. Was like it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> While I was like trying to like preserve my modesty, <laughs> and then and then so like we were traveling a lot, so we were kind of we were kind of dirty, and um in part of the like loofah scrubbing situation, there's a lot of like dead skin that comes off. <laughs> He was like, you're dirty. (laughs) And then he like took my hand and made me feel like the little like dry crap, like skin crap. (laughs) And he was like, you're dirty. You're dirty. (laughs) And that, my friends, is how I think of Turkey. Of a mustachioed (laughs) man 
telling me that I'm dirty in the most hilarious accent. So I think I think this I think Reese was very very similar to a Turkish imam scrub to a, to to a Turkish loofah man basically. <laughs> because also he was like my name is Reese. <laughs> And he was like, one of my favorite parts was like, she's like, she just woke up from a coma and she's super pissed at him. And she, he goes, you're angry at me. (laughs) (laughs) And then she like throws something at him and he goes, you're very angry at me. (laughs) I know, his official name is High Captain Kiris Tavar. Uh, Anyway, he had all the accents. He did. But he's also an intergalactic spy. He could have just been switching through them all. Which is yeah. which is one of my problems. All right, so we can move into my, my rant, which is the habits of successful space captains. And the first of those habits is, is if you're going to choose a spy, please do not choose the most famous admiral in the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> That's why his mustache is shaved off on the cover. Maybe he shaved it off. So he, <laughs> he wouldn't look like himself. That's funny because in my cover, it's literally the back of his head so you can oh, yeah. actually see. Oh, do you get the one where she's like pointing the laser rifle at him? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, the other thing is, is like, don't, like, there are two times in which the space captains are like, oh, I think I'll I'll pass my, the codes to my ship to this random person I just met because I think they're gonna be helpful. I think they're gonna, this is gonna be a good move. Like, this is the sort of person who gives their, you know, their social security number over the phone. That's not a person that should, that should, you know, that's not a person that should be in charge of a intergalactic spaceship, right? Operational like, security is an afterthought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, since they're, like, dealing with war times, maybe they should, like, think a little bit more about it. But seriously, they, there was, okay, there was this alien race called the Sko. Yes. And, and I think they were bugs. I don't know. I think they were humans that, like, branched off from the evolutionary chain that the rest of them did. They're very The way skinny. that they talked, very... yeah, the way they talked, I thought they were they might be space Muslims. Because, oh. they, it's, <laughs> because it was very Arabic sounding, like, you skrit, like, that sounds oh, like. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. But yeah, oh, and wow. the fact that we, like, couldn't tell what they looked like, seemed like mm. maybe if someone was wearing a headscarf or or something like that or mm-hmm. anyway but i agree they seem like they might be bugs they um, might be muslim bugs yeah <laughs> so starship troopers as well. <laughs> yeah 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 i don't know that was my response when i like when their language like had so many harsh sounds like that i'm like this sounds like arabic because clearly like reese's people are like space germans aren't they or like space russians or something i, something I got like russian they're a very militaristic society like mm-hmm. he called her trilbychenka which sounds a lot like Russian. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the conclave is like space Americans. They're all about trade and capitalism, so I can see it going that direction. Yeah, space Americans. That's that's something in um in sci-fi, right? You always have to have to have like the space libertarians. Oh yeah, space oh, yeah. fascists, like, space libertarians. Gotta have. Them. Gotta have one hundred percent. Worst. <laughs> oh, and planets with only one biome, which we get in spades in this novel. Like that place with the the place that they land, the jungle with the yeah, Avenar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have blood bats and snakes. And And vampire snakes. It's like the only fauna we really get to know. (laughs) Oh, and mizzets and... uh, What's the other one? Mizzets, yeah. Flinners. This this book also has has one of the, like, number one sci-fi tropes, which is you're developing a space mission, and you're going to put the highest ranking officials on that mission. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God, no. (laughs) Like, sense of corporals. Like, you don't need, like, Lord Commander on the mission. Yeah, that was... was 
sounds very strange to me. Also, yeah. but also he had nanobots in his skin or something. Mm. So maybe you would put him on that mission. I mean, I guess. But, but he, maybe he shouldn't be also the commander. But his ship like just went through a near attempted coup when like that undersecretary from the Empire yeah, came guy. and tried to take it over. It's like you might want to like keep an eye on your business, not just <laughs> go after your manic pixie dream girl. Or I'm sorry, manic air sprite dream girl. <laughs> air sprite, uh, my little air sprite. Air sprite. <laughs> I will have her. The smell of her is flowers and powder. She will be mine. That was like 100% romance. Like oh. all of that. All of that yeah. where like he saw her and then he was like instantly attracted to her and like everything was okay after that. Then they find excuses to fall into each other for like three chapters. <laughs> <laughs> the clumsiest fuckers. Listen, a spaceship is bumpy. They were on the ground. <laughs> they weren't moving. Oh man. Oh. An overhead panel falls and is like, I'm gonna feel her up now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, got some good underboob action on that one. I like how she has like a really shitty ship. Like it's like held together yes. by duct tape. By the way, duct tape still exists 1500 years in the future. <laughs> I was thrilled by that. It's my Hell yeah. favorite invention. Uh, also, tiddlywinks. And people still say diddly squat. <laughs> I, I also like the fact that her, her ship was so bad that that was like a defensive mechanism to, to stop people from taking over it. Like the fact that like none about like none of their controls worked correctly. And she's like, no, no, no. That's part of the plan. Oh, it's like having a shitty car where you gotta turn the key like 10 times before it actually starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I go ahead. Yeah, given giving like her access, so the SCO like gave this enemy force gave her access to their own computer (laughs) in their ship so that she could move this map stuff to a folder. Yeah, like how are these people intergalactic space lords? You just need one Nigerian prince scam and they're done. They're done. (laughs) What was it? Just a giant Nigerian prince scam. Star charts, man. Like they fell for the star charts. Mm-hmm. But weren't you a little offended? It appeared that they actually took the star charts with them. Like they had the actual star charts with them. Oh, that yeah. was the whole Did point. I read of that? The, to bait them in, they had two sets of star charts. Well, why not just bring the one badge set? Because right? these like, aren't smart people. No matter how much they'd like to tell you, they are. <laughs> like, he's always like sucking his own dick about how great he is and how intelligent he is, and he's just he's horrible. <laughs> Which I have to share with you guys the creepiest part of this novel that I found, which is on my page uh-huh. 289, when, in which he, he's trying to win her back. Oh, I think I marked the same page. He stopped behind Trilby's chair, smoothed yes. a wrinkled section of her jacket collar. She flinched away, but not so much as she had yesterday when he'd wrapped her arms around, briefly around her waist, or the day before when he'd rested his hand on her shoulder. One step at a time, he would get her back. One small step. One <laughs> small step at a time. Now, I know ah! says creepy motherfucker <laughs> what the fuck man like he's not she's not into you like ah uh, uh. Yeah, I mean, she uh, is no, he just like sexually harasses her for like eight chapters until it finally goes down again <laughs> there's even one point where i was like is this is this like the 1950s like you know lauren bacall and um humphrey bogart because because he she's like I hate you and then he like grabs her and he like kisses her and she's like uh-huh. I hate you too and then he's like but you liked it and <laughs> that's a lot of consent going on there a lot of- which their whole this- crew has to find out about it too because they forget to take off their badges <laughs> and they come back to the bridge and everybody's just like yeah we know now it's like why are you making this awkward we're actually trying to save the galaxy could y'all put your horniness away for just like two minutes 
so they can come up with a plan. Uh, like that one point after they get separated on the Sko ship, and then he's like, is Trilby okay? And they're like, yeah, and also, you know, the other two people are okay too, and he's like, right. right. <laughs> oh yeah, other people. You know, the people who are actually your employees, the people who, like, work for you. Oh, but Trilby does it too, because she's searching for her friend Karina the whole time, and she finally <laughs> finds her in that same brig before she's going up to the command center or whatever, and then they release her, and she doesn't even have a follow-up conversation like she just goes straight back to Reese. she's like yeah she's fine she's only been drugged up for months <laughs> she'll be okay <laughs> she's like we'll catch up you know whatever it's cool <laughs> yeah i was surprised that she saw her and didn't really seem any at all interested in like following that plot line at all <laughs> there were a lot of plot lines they were not interested oh, yeah. in following like perhaps the war that's coming up soon. No, yeah, she dropped like three new factions in your lap in like the last 20 pages. It's like, wait, who are yeah. these people? Like, why should I give a shit? <laughs> I'm the one that's always like, oh, you mean plotline? I don't really care about that. <laughs> that's like I said, this is a decent sci-fi adventure that just got interrupted by a romance novel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were times in which it was kind of, I mean, they do. There's a there's some good detail in here sometimes about the different societies and the conclave versus the, you know, the sco and stuff like that. There were some good bits of that. I guess I just found that Reese so immediately unlikable, especially when he, like, gets a hard-on while, like, trying to get away. Oh, yeah, that uh, was awkward. <laughs> I was... <laughs> Awkward. It wasn't just the laser rifle at his waist. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. I have a theory about him. Okay. Um. I think that he was a psychopath with no feelings until he was in that regen bed, and then his the regen bed, which by the way is an abbreviation for regeneration, um, fixed his psychopathy, and he woke up with feelings. Oh. So it was like the first female that he saw since he developed feelings. And then he was like, what is this going on? And then he just like felt better about being okay with feelings. That's an interesting idea, right? Like that's why he was such an asshole before, but he seems like everyone is, you know, kind of taking care of him now on there. Like, oh, that's nice, Reese. That's nice. <laughs> I mean, like, if you think about it, like, this this happens a lot in romance novels. This, this guy is, like, super intimidating, has worked super hard in, in his career, and he comes to the very tippy top and develops this, like, weird, like, um, intimidating, you know, thing. And then he suddenly sees a girl and he's like, I'm a buddy. I have a theory that Reese was a virgin before all this. And never, never, oh, ever man. done anything. Because no, we're no, talking no. about when he's trapped in the cell with that guy, Rafi, or whatever his name was, one of his best buddies who they never really bring up again. Rafi was a womanizer and Reese is like, oh, I never really had time for that. Oh, yeah. I think he just got a bad case of the one to do it. Well, I mean... I, I could go with that theory because, but with one caveat, he had sex with that girl named Malaka. Ah, Malaka, yeah. And he was, and that was like his one bad experience. And he was like, never again. <laughs> <laughs> and then he found like a woman who wasn't like a total jackass. And he was like, this is the perfect woman. <laughs> and then he had feelings and everybody had to take care of him with his feelings. 
can you imagine if you're like you're like one of the other people on that ship and you're like checking your email and your boss comes in and he's like I must find her <laughs> oh, they're all totally just pretending to be afraid of him and then when he leaves the room it's like that fucking jackass <laughs> <laughs> they just gotta put on the show to keep him happy uh, they probably just send him on like bullshit missions to keep him busy <laughs> that makes sense he definitely is taken care of he has this like second in command who's this girl who has this like oh hannah hannah's great she has this like totally professional and appropriate relationship with this with her significant other who is like also part of the fleet or whatever but they don't really like you know they're not like pda all over the place and so she's like handling it like a boss like she's got feelings she knows how to compart compartmentalize and then and then Reese comes back and he's like, Trilby, Trilby Chenka, Yav Sharon. And he's like running around. You know what it reminded me of? Have y'all seen Equilibrium? Oh, yeah, with uh, Christian Bale. <laughs> that is yeah. maybe my favorite movie. <laughs> with uh, the gun kata, gun kung fu. Oh, yeah, gun kung fu. <laughs> Okay, so the f the great part about Equilibrium is that um, these these fuckers in this like dystopian world control people by three jet injections a day to get rid of their feelings. Can't you come up with anything better than three injections a day? Anyway, so he's like, he's like, maybe I should skip one. And then he suddenly has feelings. All the time. And he's running around crying. Like, this is Christian Bale. So he's running around <laughs> in this dystopian... I mean, kind of doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's running around in this dystopian universe, crying, picking up dogs, and like you know talking to his wife about love and then like crying at a sunset and <laughs> listening to music and there's literally times when he just like runs through all of these people who are drugged up and not feeling and like encouraged to to like report people who have feelings and just crying <laughs> <laughs> This is fantastic. You guys are terrible at being a dystopian world. And this is this is how I felt about Reese at this point, where he was like, I'm this big, mean, you know, senior commander. <laughs> I love Trilby. Trilby Chenka. I was really disappointed that Trilby was not named after the hat. Oh, yeah. Come to find out she's named after a blanket, which is... Sadder, I think. Like, I don't know. That hat, though, fedoras, man. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. they're the best. International hat of guys mm -hmm. the same milady. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's the ploy of like getting guys to like I read that. this. I honestly thought that. I did. There's like Trilby. You're speaking my language, <laughs> milady. If there's a red pill involved, I'm in. <laughs> And then they have the Millennial Falcon on the front. You know, you said that's Millennial Falcon. I kind of think that's more like Captain Sisko's ship from Deep Space Nine. But it's circular. The nerd I think you just turned yourself into the guy that says Milady when you said it was the Deep Space Nine. I never said I wasn't. Burn. And I own a Trilby. But it's woven. It's my beach hat. It's woven. Yeah. I bought it from a guy in Mexico on the beach when I was drunk and laying in the sun. So I guess you liked it, huh? Me? Yeah. Oh no, I, I disliked it. Immensely. But I, no, 
I, it was a one star book for me. Wow. I really had to. I didn't. It's interesting because you liked it so much, and the whole time when we were reading, I was like, "This, you know, it just leaves us to whenever we have a guest on the show, we read like a terrible book." But <laughs> I'm glad do. that you. I'm glad that you guys both seem to have liked it. So. I mean, why would we read a good book? Oh, man, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate you dumping the shitty one on me. <laughs> No, it's like every time, every time, we're like, oh, this will be great. And then we read about fairies and it was terrible. That was the worst. How, how do you how do you rank this, Alana, compared to the worst books that we've read? I think the fairies book we read was much worse. What about Grim Space? Did you like this better than Grim Space? I think I, li- I, you think didn't, I liked you this didn't better like than Grim Space. Yeah. I didn't like Grim Space. I can't remember. Maybe I just don't like sci-fi romance novels. Although we did read um, His Precious Cargo, and that was excellent. That was so great. And much more sex scenes. And much more sex scenes. I'm trying to remember Grim Space, actually. Grim Space was... <laughs> It was weird. I also compared this to Grim Space, which made it better. Because, like, remember how in Grim Space there was a character that um, became her slave, like, accidentally? And she was, like, kind of okay with him dying. become a slave? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? And she was like, I don't want you to be my slave. And he was like, that doesn't help. I'm still your slave. <laughs> oh, is it like she saved his life? And... Yeah, she saved oh, his life. Oh, God, I was And actually, Grim Space was also about space, future, UPS, Yes, it was. Every single, like, sci-fi set in, like, the nearest future, like, a thousand years from now, which is on the grand scale, is pretty near. They always gotta talk about freighters. Like, this book bogs down for, like, 40 pages about the intricacy of the space navigation systems and star charts. Star charts. And how do you lose, like, whole big, like, hyperdrive gates that you gotta drive through? Yeah, Why are those just lost to history? And it's not, like, a hundred years ago. It's, like, 30 years ago. More specifically, like, why don't you just go to, like, a scrapyard and just, like, Thank you! <laughs> That's like, all I can think whole, of. Yeah, I was like, there's no way that, like, you don't need a working ship to get, like, the hard drives off of it. No. So, like, <laughs> why do we need, why do we need this one lady's ship? There were plenty of ships that probably have this exact same. I was like, no, I think but they then, actually did explain that at one point, because it was, like, the Herkinoid Company. They were the only ones yeah. with access to it, and then when they were decommissioned, and her friend Shadow, Shadow, we didn't Shadow. really bring him up. He right. apparently like downloaded a whole bunch of it when the that trading conglomerate ended up falling over. He was the only one still in access to that information. I think it got lost in the war or something like that. When Shadow showed up, I felt like that was a moment in like sci-fi bingo where we had to have a character named Shadow at some point. <laughs> and she was like she was like really close to like a blackout and she's like, Oh god, what's a character I can name Shadow? And then this <laughs> random character that does not come into the story at all. Yeah, that was just- a weird dead end. I thought he was, like, at first I thought Reese was gonna be Shadow because they had some similarities of, like, being hacker super geniuses. See, I thought it was gonna be whoever Black Sword was. Oh, yeah. Because I Shadow had, like, that. lost his information. Reese, or, uh, Trilby thought he was dead, so he was gonna come back in as, like, the big bad. Mm-hmm. And then it was gonna yeah. be, like, a moment of reckoning for her, but... That yeah. was just a dead end. <laughs> that would have been fun. We can't have that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, you take it away like... from the, the, like, I must have her Look, story. The, the half page of the sex scene where it just boils down to he thrusted. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the most description you get. It's like, he touched her boob and then thrusted. <laughs> then they wake up the next morning. She's all right with it. Uh... Apparently he's got some power thrusts. Like... <laughs> Oh man. Uh, this book 
also has some serious pacing issues. Like, oh my god, yes. Uh, like it's just like the fact that like they have to get through that whole like intrigue involving the Scarlet ship in like five minutes at like the end of the book, in which they're like, oh, yeah. and she just gave me access to the codes, and then I just corrupted her ship because that was our plan. Our plan was to get all get kidnapped. That was our plan. Oh, apparently coding <laughs> language is the exact same across like different species and different operating <laughs> systems and that sort of yeah, thing. It's yeah. like no, I just need the binary numbers. Get me in. <laughs> I love when um, Reese was like, he was taking over the Sco ship, and then he was, then he said something, and she was like, "What?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, she doesn't know Sco." And, and it was totally said like, "Oh yeah, you don't know Sco." Like, although she did learn uh, Safarin within like a week and oh a half. Oh my god, she had the Rosetta Stone. Yeah, in her house. In her brain. In, in her. <laughs> Brig, <laughs> where she learned a different language. I mean, this whole book takes place over what, like maybe twenty days, yeah. maybe. So she falls head over heels from this guy from finding him in a swamp with fucking vampire snakes or whatever it are. Until twenty days later, and they're foiling an intergalactic plot mm-hmm. to take down everybody. And she was like, the one of the reasons why she liked him was because she thought he was like a lowly commander, and so maybe they would like like go and be smugglers together or something. Like talk about like we've talked before about like women just like willy nilly giving up their entire careers for the men that they <laughs> they have. Like I'm sure like they don't they she thinks about it and that's a problem. Like she's like he's the fucking senior your commander and I'm this weird like smuggler. They painted her as like this standalone badass that can fix her own ship in a cave in the middle of a jungle planet. And then he comes along and she's like, I've forgotten everything I know how to do. <laughs> it's like, Lord and me, this swan man just walked up to my porch one day and I tell you I got the vapors. <laughs> I, a, a jump drive? I don't know what that is for the life of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they just both got a case of the hornies and it just mm-hmm. screwed up everything. And he woke up with feelings, so that's tough. I, I don't know if Tribby was re- ever really a heavy hitter intellectually, like... I mean, she could handle her own, though. I mean, I liken them to, like, surgeons. Surgeons are really yeah. good at the one thing they know how to do, but outside of that, I met some derma- dumbass surgeons. So, <laughs> apologies to any surgeons that are listening, but I can be kind of dumb <laughs> sometimes. surgeons. I, I don't know. Facts. I don't know what y'all listenership is, but <laughs> it's basically it's 100%. all surgeons. One hundred percent surgeons. <laughs> Shit, I'm sorry. Don't you know about the niche market of romance novel reading I mean, surgeons? They are in surgery for a long time. I figure they're probably listening to podcasts to pass the time. I'm so sorry. Please don't. <laughs> if I'm ever on the operating table, just don't hold it against me. <laughs> Oops, a kidney's gone. Uh, <laughs> I can live with one kidney. It's nothing major. I I liked it because he's just a sad little duke who has lots of feelings and doesn't know what to do with them. You just throw everything back to some like regal system. <laughs> it's true. We're all just dukes and duchesses. It's if we true. really think about it. And barmaids. A duke and a barmaid. She was definitely barmaid material. No, truly no. She's like a milkmaid. I, you know, air sprite, you know, air air sprite, sprite. my little air sprite. She'll be my air sprite. I'll have you one day. I'm going to caress your short moonlike hair. (laughs) My trilby, trilby Elliot. Elliot. 
All right. Every time they said that, I could not help but think uh, about E.T. when he's just going, Elliot. <laughs> oh, man. Uh-huh. That was great. Let's read another one. <laughs> Linnea Sinclair. You've done something, apparently. Something. <laughs> A story. that yeah. was much more romance than... than uh... But don't you think don't you think she was a little bit better, at least, than the Grim Space girl? Yeah, Grim Space was worse, but maybe. I don't know. She's so dumb. She's so dumb. She's hardcore, like, from a different era of, like, 1990s. Like, I, I had this image of, like, aliens Wrigley from, like, the James Cameron Wrigley. Like, when she has, like, all these motherly feelings, you know? Yeah, yeah, I get that. Because this was, like, 2005, but it's it just so, it feels so early in terms of, like, the expectations we have about female characters. Because, like, she is a ship captain, which is, you know, and she is, like, really good at engineering and things like that. So you thought she would be a stronger character, but she's still, like, I don't know, melts into a puddle in front of, you know, any uh-huh. any dude that she sees. The first couple chapters she was basically like Starbuck from the new Battlestar Galactica series. And I'm just like alright, yeah, I am here for this. Fucking love that. And then, no. And then he says I love you in a different and language she... and she's like, ah. <laughs> I was I was convinced that that was gonna mean something else, like, <laughs> like because they never tra- translated ever. Like I'm like I hoped it was like no, my, it means I, I want love- you is what it means. Which I thought she was gonna die because I had that bad habit of reading the last sentence of any book that I'm reading, oh. and then trying to build up in my brain what's gonna happen. And so the last one of this one was like Yavchanga, and then he kissed her softly, and I'm like, oh, this bitch dies. Uh, <laughs> no, sir, this is a romance. They just like never die in romance. I mean, there no, needed to be yeah. a good death. Like, Mykonos <laughs> needed to die. Somebody needed to die. Farah, maybe. But no. I love how Mykonos was like, okay, even though he didn't have, like, nanobites or whatever. He's have a long road to recovery. <laughs> <laughs> Damn nanobites, they itch. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of skin itches. I found very <laughs> off-putting. Uh, I don't need to know about somebody's psoriasis. Trilby Chenka. <laughs> Chenka. I I liked all of the different language, you know. I hate it when it's like everybody speaks the same language. No, no, they had a nice differentiation between standard and Zafarin or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Though I was hoping that, that one of my plot twists in my team, Jake and Brain, was hoping that that whole time that he had spoken the other language and he could understand all of it. Oh, <laughs> that would have been good. That would have been good. I mean, because he's, I mean, he's an interna- like intergalactic accountant. He has to deal with different parties. You'd figure he'd probably be able to speak the Empire's language. Yeah, exactly. Damn, no, that would have been a nice little wrinkle. Yeah, because they were just like, they just assumed he didn't know it because he's a stupid accountant. Yeah. But, I mean, I kept on hoping for him to be like, uh, I understood everything you guys have been said. Or no, like right there in the middle of like the whole battle scene, he breaks it out and he's like, we can just give Reese over to them, we'll be fine. Everybody's like, whoa, man, you're competent. <laughs> Yeah, I was okay with most of Reese's, like, um, this is one of those romance things where I'm, like, okay with something in a romance novel that I wouldn't be okay with in the real world. He was a little rapey, like, <laughs> if we're being honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm glad that you and I flagged the exact same passage about him being creepy as shit. Like, as soon as I saw that, I busted out my sticky note and slapped it on my page hard. I'm just like, this is not okay. Oh, everything about that was wrong. I just kept on going. 
But he was like, not only that, it was, you know how in situations where if it wasn't a ram- romance novel, it would be incredibly creepy? Like, I love it when they go like, he was stalking me and he's like, you know, following me everywhere. And then, but he's really attractive. I was like, does that make it okay? No, is that, does that really make it okay? Stockholm syndrome. Just, they just leaned into it and said, oh, I got abducted <laughs> by this guy. I uh, got taken to the spaceport and I can't leave because he's deactivated my engines. I want to make some buddies and then go with him again. But his swarthy hair. <laughs> Those fucking his chest lo- hairs, man. Those luxurious goddamn chest hairs. <laughs> luxurious mustache. It was like a chia pet <laughs> on his pecs. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> ch- ch- chest hairs. <laughs> What a good book. I'd probably uh, read another Linnaeus Sinclair. I'll have a Danielle read this. No, you wouldn't. Shut your she mouth. You would not. No, she wants oh, to. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would, uh, I would read another one. No. This was mm-hmm. like possibly 70 to 80% romance. Yeah. Which I'm okay with. You just like it because they talk about feelings the whole time. There's <laughs> so like much feelings time. And I love it. Uh, I'm not ashamed of the fact that I love when people talk about feelings. And when he's like, I have so much feelings. And everybody's like, okay, calm down, Reese. <laughs> like, is this just a big allegory for puberty? Because that's basically <laughs> what Reese is doing the whole time. Yeah, maybe he went through puberty for the first time. Space puberty. He was born in a test Space. tube. He could have been delayed. I mean, when you focus on your career for so long and then suddenly you wake up and you're not in your career and nobody knows who you and are. just a pixie little air sprite dancing around. <laughs> <Air> sprite? <laughs> it was like, who the fuck are you and stop touching me <laughs> then obviously she's already seen your dick anyway so <laughs> the course is set you just gotta follow it the star charts have been laid out if you will so you would not read another Linnaeus Sinclair oh god no probably not I was like in hardcore skim for a lot of the novel what about you Will would you read another one probably won't but I would keep this book in my library so hopefully that my grandkids <laughs> stumble upon it one day and they're just like what the hell was granddad up to <laughs> And you're like, granddad's kind of rapey. Because <laughs> that whole part where he was like, I'm going to kiss you. And then she's like, no. I'm going to keep all my original like post-it notes in it too. <laughs> so what are we reading next month? Well, both me and, and Wendy were talking um, beforehand about the New York Times did a profile of E.L. James who wrote Fifty Shades of Grey, which is just fascinating mm-hmm. in that it's, it's a little bit about E.L. James as media mogul. It's a little bit of E.L. James as like zany personality like at one point she wants to go off on how she really didn't like the uh the movie Fifty Shades of Grey and her publicist like (laughs) shuts her up is like no 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 don't do it she's like maybe we should move to a new subject (laughs) they really didn't capture the essence of my novel The fact that she, you know, that she really did start in fan fiction and she kind of moved out of fan fiction to protect her work. The mm-hmm. fact that she's so involved in all the sex toys that come out of Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh man, that was Yeah, great. and I, any... I didn't even realize that was a thing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes, there was is. a lot. There was a lot. Um, it makes yeah. sense. My brain has just never crossed that threshold. I mean, if you're going to market anything from the Fifty Shades. Dildo flashlight? Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Nipple clamps. Nipple clamps. Ooh. It's fine. 
mind. But it was really interesting, especially because we've talked before about how the New York Times in general, the book review section is so dismissive of romance novels. But this sort of profile of her is really interesting in that it's a lot about the ways in which E.L. James, much more than a writer, is a really excellent promoter. I didn't realize that those kind of iconic metallic book covers were her design. Like, she had designed those. Hmm. Yeah, so, and a lot of the things that make the series so successful, like the iconic covers, the, the sort of, like, she she really pushed against having a chest on the front of it because she wanted them to be in, you know, prominently displayed outside of the erotica section. Mm-hmm. You know, she's very thoughtful about her processes in this whole, in the building of sort of her empire, which is really interesting, so we'll try and link it um, from the post. But the reason why they were profiling her is she has a new book out, This book club will probably never read Fishy Shades of Grey, but... I think we're going to read The Mister, which has been billed as a porny Downton Abbey, which I mean, I'm in. what can go wrong? What could go wrong? So we're going to read that <laughs> next, and I'm going to read a little description. London, 2019. Life has been easy for Maxin Trivia. With all his good looks, aristocratic connections, and money, he's never had to work, and he's rarely slept alone. But all that changes when tragedy strikes, and Maxime enter- inherits his father's noble title, wealth and estates, and all the responsibility that entails. It's a role that he's not prepared for, and one that he struggles to face. But his biggest challenge is fighting his desire for an unexpected, enigmatic young woman who's recently arrived in England, possessing a little more than a dangerous and troublesome past. I think I think it's going to be kind of interesting. Um, I think it might still be in. I think it's still going to be kind of sexually explicit, but it, there's no indication that it's S and M. But I think it's going to be interesting. I think to kind of see how she's sort of evolved as a writer a little bit. I have not read Fifty Shades. I have read Twilight, which, as you may know, Fifty Shades of Grey is a was originally a fan fiction for Twilight. And as viewers know, I liked the first Twilight book when I read it. <laughs> and I just can't get over that. I just can't get over that. Yeah, that's that's what you have, viewers. I did not like Finders Keepers, but Twilight, I was like, eh, sure. Yeah. Listen, unreliable review right there. I, I tried to read F- Fifty Shades. Didn't didn't get very far. Yeah, I've never tried. She's one of those, like... I, I tore through them in a week. <laughs> Only kidding. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. It is. Yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting uh, that she's from fan fiction and also the whole fan fiction world is very interesting and how it has affected romance novels and the romance industry. You know, my sister's really into uh, fan fiction and she, when she talks about the woman who wrote Fifty Shades of Grey, she kind of like talks about how oh she took away her her writing so that she could publish it like maybe that was a bad thing she lose her street cred in the fanfic community yeah she kind of did oh okay i see what is that and she said that some people still have the original writing that she did because they saved it instead of like just letting it go it's an interesting idea because you know internet is like the most of the things that you can find on the internet are are like we are 100 percent you know non-profitable and we just let each other take from everybody else and it's fine but yeah, it doesn't make any sense when it comes to a capitalistic world. So um, it's interesting that she's really made that into an empire. Yeah, and it's interesting because she talks a little bit in the article from the New York Times about Fifty Shades um, fan fiction. And she's very respectful of the work in a way that you don't see, for example, from J.K. Rowling. 
who has been throughout her history um, outwardly combative with the fan fiction community. You know. That was something I actually didn't know. (laughs) I don't don't keep tabs on this as much as others, I guess. You learned so much. Well, she's she's nip. One day Dumbledore is gay, and I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, which is funny because she's always adding things to it now. And no, I think her creation of the Harry Potter world website was very much. And I'm not a big fan fiction person, but it was very much a response to sort of undercut. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think but... she is also, and I might be misremembering this, but I know she's gone after, or her lawyers have gone after some of the more successful Harry Potter fanfic people. Really. Um, but I could be wrong about that. J.K. Rowling's a petty bitch, apparently. Well, and a lot of the major don't, authors Don't sue are. me, J.K. Yeah. I mean, if you have to. <laughs> she <laughs> is also the biggest fan of our romance <laughs> I novel. do not have the funds to fight that litigation. <laughs> but yeah, so to come, E.L. James definitely comes out of this this um, community. And I, I was talking to someone last night, and E.L. James, people, some people have strong feelings for it, but there are other people who have published their fanfic, taken it out of its fandom and published it, a series of books. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of feelings of weird about the capitalistic benefit and whether or not that's part of the fan fiction community right Mm -hmm. i mean if she didn't she would still be like it's also interesting because it comes from the most unlikely source which is this middle-aged housewife who writes as a hobby and writes in this you know subculture of a of an internet group if she didn't she would still be a suburban housewife you know writing in a subculture for fun we can explore this later but it's definitely an interesting experience of looking at fan fiction and how it has affected um publishing in general and also like as an artist myself like i would be very pissed if people took my work and you know claimed it as their own earned money from it oh yeah but you can look throughout history and there's certain stories that get retold different ways and so is it just a matter of kind of like comedy is tragedy versus time so is fanfic when it's acceptable is it the original plus an x amount of time before it's acceptable to publish the name more specifically there's an interesting question of when you tell a story do you own the character that you create and and I think fan fiction is really the positing thing that you don't and that they can have adventures in other people's brains that didn't exist but also at the same time shouldn't fan fiction writers be able to profit from their excellent work I think that's the back and forth in the same way that like you know when do you publish your work on the internet right what's Mm -hmm. to stop someone from printing postcards based on your painting and I think there's not much not much you know and I think it's it's hard it's a hard part of the area and I it's yeah so it should be interesting to read the mister and think a little bit more about kind of these fan fiction communities we should probably ask also sometime we should do fan fiction i don't know very much about fan fiction but i'm sure there's lots of people that could tell us a lot if you're listening and you have any fan fiction suggestions let us know and we'll read those Mm -hmm. cool any other things for any last words um tiddlywinks are still around in the future i just wanted to point that out i don't think tiddlywinks are around in present day i don't know (laughs) like who does they made a resurgence <laughs> I, mean, I just wanted things I flagged in the book. Uh, like, I haven't. Really? I don't think I've ever played Tiddlywinks. I haven't either. I, it's I, like I hopscotch. Of... Never played hopscotch, but it's there. Really? I've played hopscotch. Kind of like double dutch and all that. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you for listening to Getting Lit, available monthly on iTunes. Thank you, Rosie, again for who edits our podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Rosie. Thanks, Rosie. Thank you, Rosie. I don't know you, but thank you. <laughs> For extra bonus features for this episode, you can visit gwenwendy.com slash s3ep3, where you can also read more about Wendy. Will, thank you for being on our podcast today and having such an excellent memory. 
That is really impressive. Oh. Half the time we can't even remember the names of the main characters, so... Uh... Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's why we bring guests. Well, we bring guests. ladies, thank you. <laughs> As I tip my trilby. You can follow Alana on Twitter, at Librarian Alana. What's the best type of romance novel, Wendy? The trashy kind. <laughs> Deanna Alana's podcast. Wendy and Alana's podcast. Get literary, get literary, woo!